Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 252. I am joined, as always, on a Wednesday night, late Wednesday night pod recording. After a Knicks victory, the Knicks defeat the Hawks by some big score. 113.89? Yeah, 113.89. That sounds about right. Uh, Knicks won 113.89. Fun game. And to recap that and all of the things that have happened with the Knicks this week, because God knows, (laughs) the Lord knows that uh, no matter how boring the Knicks might seem, it is never boring to talk about them. But I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Normally, I'm I'm pretty even-keeled. This is the first game I've watched live in some time, though. And I add on top of that, I the Hawks are like, yeah. Why did you want to win this game actually, so bad? I don't know. The Hawks are like the one team I have true hatred for, <laughs> and it's only gotten like worse with Dejounte Murray on the team. I don't even know why. It's not really rational. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I I can't say I know how you feel uh, because I love so many teams in the NBA. Just a lover like of the game. Schindler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I'm not Mark Schindler. Uh, but before we get started, I'd make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. That is right. We are on Instagram. We are live on there. We are posting content. Give us a follow. Check out all of the new stuff that we are posting on there. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. Check that out. We also have a YouTube where you can potentially, maybe you are watching this podcast right there. But there's many other things on there. We have The Rundown that is hosted by Sam Gideon. That's at FBL underscore Sam. And Tyrese London, the infamous Tyrese London. That's at London Siri on Twitter. Uh, check them out. They go live after every single game. Uh, they're probably recording. Uh, they're not recording. They're actually hosting a live stream right now as we are recording this pod. Uh, so uh, definitely check out all the stuff that they post on there as well. Uh, we also have... Some nice Dallas Palace of Analysis when he's not busy fighting the good fight, the union fight. Uh, he posts some some X's and O's breakdown, breakdowns on there. And uh, whenever whenever the Holy Ghost catches Prez, uh, he might he might grace you with some some X's and O's uh, knowledge on there as well. Final announcement I have to make: The Trickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to this pod right here that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. You also get access to the Circle Discord where the conversation never stops. Certainly did not stop at any point in the last two days because God knows that Cam Reddish getting benched is apparently a franchise-altering move. Um... There are further tiers. There's an Andar tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to, much more importantly, wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley 
and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. as a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, let's get started. Um, let's just let's let's talk about the game first. I don't want to talk about miserable Cam Redder stuff first. Uh, let's talk about the game. The game was fun. Uh, I I'm gonna be an asshole, and I like I didn't love the first half that much because I thought it was just a lot of like, oh, Randall's on fire, like that that was it. Uh, the Knicks still did not look like they had any idea of how to play against the zone. Um, that's still a problem for them, and it was still a problem for them in the second half, to be honest. Uh, they just got a lot more stops. They got more turnovers. They got out in transition a bit more, broke down the defense a little bit better. Randall was on fire, so that helped a lot. Um, but the defense, again, looked a lot better. And I'll tell you this, at amid and I don't care. I know that Randall had an awesome game. I know RJ had an okay-looking offensive box score. I thought they were both really big problems, again, on defense. Um, but here's here's the saving grace. Turns out, it turns out, when you play your th- three best perimeter defenders more often, your defense is better. And when Mitch is right, your defense and your defensive rebounding is better. And guess what? Guess what? That might be enough to be a good defense. And I know the Hawks didn't have DeJounte Murray. I know they didn't have a bunch of guys. I know that... You, you can tell me all kinds of things. You have your favorite player, John Collins. Yeah, yeah. Just a real, real fucking killer there. Um, but, but like, but we've seen this team, you know, get blown out or not just blown, not blown out necessarily, but just give up points, lay up line to, to many teams. Didn't so happen today. And, and, uh, and just, you know, the last, last thing I'll say before I get your thoughts. Uh, I, I thought, we're going to have some serious questions. Not serious. We're going to have a serious conversation about Quentin Grimes. Because I will say this. You watch. Look, I think RJ is playing better than he has recently offensively. I still think that there's rough decision making. He's got a ways to go, but he's yeah. getting better. It's getting, getting better. There's still some rough decision making patches. He doesn't have that burst, man. He doesn't have that burst. He doesn't finish. Not at this weight. And he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't explode through contact. He doesn't challenge guys at the rim and finish in the same way that, that Grimes does. Now, Grimes obviously is not creating much as much uh, from a standstill, from, you know, be a pick-and-roll ball handler, all kinds of things. But that time might be coming soon. And it might need to be I mean, coming we, sooner than we think. We know he's a... Uh, he's got, you know, we've said it ad nauseum since he was drafted, but, like, he played point guard most of his life, and that's not gone, and that's not to say you want him fucking playing point guard, but like it's clear point Grimes. It's yeah. There's there's clearly a space for secondary creation for him and Deuce, and we we've seen that for both of them. Like they can, and, and when you have guys like Julius and Brunson, um, who are occasionally content to to spot up, um, and just you know, chill for a bit and put them up. That lets these guys do some of that passing, which is really nice. The other thing I really wanted to highlight, um, when I was randomly just like spamming Twitter with Dallas Knicks clips the other day, I, you know, I tweeted about how bad um, Randall's rebounding has been, particularly his boxing out. And you don't like his weak things, side boxing out. You don't, you don't. I don't like any of his boxing <laughs> out. And 
his rebounding is, you know, what separate from boxing out, like going up for the rebound, he's actually great at it. Um, and that's that's why he can be awful at boxing out and still end up with like, you know, eight, nine, ten rebounds a game. Or seventeen. And well, today, <laughs> you know, it's not a coincidence that today he has seventeen because today he was doing boxing out and making an effort to go hit the glass. And you could tell we know how it goes with Randall, right? Like he gets up for certain matchups. You know, he wants to kill the Hawks. Um, he has history with them and you know, whenever he gets it going, um, sometimes that can flow negatively into his game. Other times that can flow positively into his game. I did think that today, um, as part of him getting it going, you kind of saw him mixing it up on the glass a lot more. I, I just wasn't used to how physical he was. And I think part of that, was because the whole team was physical. And I think that really starts from the three guys we've been talking about all week, right? IQ, Grimes, and Deuce. Um, they, they're not only good defenders because of finesse and quick hands and wingspan, but they're also like, they're not afraid to give you a bump. Like Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride are so quick that they don't have to give Trey Young room. They get up in his face and they're confident that if, he gets by them, they can get back into the play. And that's a special form of defense that requires you to be comfortable being physical and also to be really fast. And they also both hit the glass. And IQ, we know, is an exceptional rebounder as well. And he's definitely not shy. In fact, I would say IQ fucking mixes it up too much these days on offense. Sometimes I'm just like, bro, shoot the three. <laughs> yeah, he's and... doing that. He did that a lot in the second half today. Um, yeah. Especially, he just needs to shoot more. I think he'll get he'll get there because he's it's not like the thing is it's yeah, not I'm, that he's not shooting like it's not that he's trying it's not that he's he's not trying to not shoot the ball he's just trying he's to just take trying different. to drive yeah and I think he's like <laughs> yeah he's trying to like get in there and look this is I think this is partially like a thing that a very Tibbs influence thing um, it, is, it is that's their thing this year is like get to the paint right like, I mean that's it's that's Brunson, it's yeah, that's, it's RJ it's Randall it's Q IQ. Yeah, that that's uh, you know, it's it's been um, it's 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 been a tips thing forever. But yeah, it's just like, yeah, he he's he he'll get there. He's just got to find a better balance. But like, um, I mean, I don't it's, know. Yeah, go ahead. the physicality was just like it was just very striking. The I, I watched the Cavs game. I didn't watch it live. I watched it before this game and that game too, and this game even more so. Like, it, it's just striking how physical it is and it becomes contagious. Like you can literally have a lineup with those three guys, Julius and Mitch, and all five of them are capable of like just battering people or in the case of the guards, like not battering people, but just, just being like up your ass, just like super annoying in your shirt. And even RJ for all his fucking, like when he's not getting blown by or whatever, like he's still a big dude. And obviously on offense, being physical isn't his problem. His problem is fucking making the right decisions. And yeah, like maybe don't take a fadeaway over Onyeko Okongwu. It's it's so frustrating. I tweeted it during the game, but like it, it's actually it's actually a minor miracle to me that he draws the defensive attention he does. Like because his if I was another team, and you know it's early in the season, whatever. But and maybe teams will begin not worrying so much. But like. I would just switch on RJ and like play him one on one and not worry about help defense and not worry about double teams because he's not like maybe he'll score on you, but 
like you said earlier, he's not going to power through mismatches, really. He's not going to power over mismatches. If you can get a hand on the ball, you might cause him to turn it over or fumble. Um, he's not passing. So until he does that, like, what's what do you lose as a defense by single covering him, even if he's going to drive a lot, which is, you know, his thing. And it's just, it's so crazy to me. He could literally lead the team in assists without even being the primary ball handler just because of his sheer volume of drives. And for some reason, like, it's still, it, he doesn't draw doubles, but, like, you can still see other teams just kind of, like, pay attention. And there's always fucking somebody open. And it's just like, dude, pass the fucking ball. Anyway, like, my back to the other guys. It's just, I really think this rotation is going to be a problem for a lot of teams that we play. I, I think, you know, what you said gives them a, um, you know, about how like Julius can be a meh to shit defender and still be fine. Cause the other four guys are going to be really good. you know, and if RJ's on, you still have three guys who are good probably um, in, in a lot of these configurations. So like, this team is is their shooting is coming back a little bit. Maybe not RJ's, but Grimes obviously starting to shoot. Julius is you know beginning to settle into that thirty five percent ish range, and I also think it's really important that we're seeing the volume get to where it has to be. We're still a little bit. I'm low. gonna need That's I'm gonna need Brunson to drive and kick a little bit better. I'm gonna need like. He has like these moments yeah, where he he had he had some whole, he this was his worst driving kick game by far. He had some wide open Grimes's like in the middle of Grimes flaming yeah. hot streak and he just he would like dribble extra and then pass it to Grimes. It was very Julius. The only Normally guy that forces it, it was pretty rough. The only him. guy that yeah, the only guy that forces it to hot shooters is quickly. Like like to the point where you're like when he dropped it off to Randall 35 feet out, I was like, okay, like relax a little bit like calm down for a second but but Two i like the I, quickly enter yeah, the chat but, <laughs> right but it's like i like the like okay like he sees the guy's hot just getting the ball right but like like brunson i don't know what the hell is going on he's had honestly i'll be honest like it ain't just this like he's had a few games recently where i'm like like that dallas game on saturday he had like three passes to mitch that were ended up being turnovers and i'm like you're fucking wide open 10 feet out shoot the fucking ball like enough with it like he, he's in, he's going through one. Uh, I mean, look, everybody has you know phases, right? With like decision making, but he's definitely having like a bad decision making phase right now. Where he's like, I feel like he's like, oh, I got to pass. Like, shut up, dude. You're a fucking bucket. Get your points. And then when guys are just wide open from the ball, this isn't like, especially him because he is drawing attention like that. Like, he's yeah. just got to make basic reads. And and I can understand like. Okay, RJ's slumping like he's or he's not he's not even she's not shooting that well from three, right? Okay, I can understand maybe you're hesitant to give him the ball, but I don't I I never care what Grimes is shooting from three ever. I don't care because yeah, you yeah. Just have if to he's open, give him the fucking ball. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. That no, I, I I'm I'm with you, and like even the guys in the tier below him, like you know IQ OB, um, even Randall, um, like this team, if they can just dial up the passing a little bit and just get that contagious then i mean their offense is already decent because they just spam the paint so much and the free throws are coming around for a lot of the guys who didn't get whistles earlier in the year and that you know that can carry an ugly defense to a you know top 15 efficiency by itself but like if they can dial up the three-point rate and also 
the accuracy, but like I'm not, I don't even like this is the thing. Like this is why sometimes I don't. One thing I noticed today about Randall is like you know he still had his spells of like over dribbling, but I I felt like his attacking was a little bit quicker, and that's one of the things I like when he gets hot from three. It sounds kind of stupid, but like we need to have more threes come from somewhere. And unfortunately, we know they're not really going to come from Brunson. Obviously, they're not going to come from Mitch. So it falls on the other guys. RJ actually takes a decent amount of threes. He just can't hit them. So, like, rather than, like, just dribbling the ball off his dick or whatever, like, sure, put him up. Like, you have fucking guys like Spencer Dinwiddie who have been part of really good offenses who just fucking, their role is just drive and then chuck. And it ain't always pretty. And some of them, some of the times you're like, eh, could we have worked it for a better shot? But like, there's a place for that in today's offense until we fucking move the three point line back a couple feet. So, um, you know, I, I didn't mind him doing that. And he, you could see him like when Grimes got hot, you could also see him kind of looking for Grimes, but he's not good at it. But the Hawks defense is so bad that like they would do just like horrible double teams and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he would just like kind sucks. of muscle and, his way through and dude yeah. their whole bench first of all like i know they were missing guys but like it was like what was that, real, that game that they play on they're... tnt like who he play or whatever who he played for missing, i was like, like they, they were missing who john collins and, and they right, were that's missing... only players of note yeah like okay they have horrible depth like aj griffin is a godsend for them and he's fucking 18 years old or 19 years old because the rest of their bench is apparently Jarrett Culver, uh, RIP, that draft decision by Prez, uh, Justin Holiday, Nick Legend. There were some white dudes. I didn't even know who they was. Hutchie? Was that the name? I, I, I legit don't know who. I don't know. I mean, they have Okongu, of course, but he's kind of just stuck because of Capella. Um, oh, Jalen Johnson, I guess. So, I don't know. It's weird. They should trade for Evan Fournier. That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's uh no it, it's funny because um they just like yeah i, I don't know it's so i haven't really been keeping up with them like are they they're I, game I ahead they're like what like six or something oh they're that's a game ahead okay. like i don't know is their offense still like elite like it was last year uh, I think it's been really good, but they're de- like it's been good, but it's not as good. And their def and their offense has been, mm. or their defense has been better, but it's not great. So they're in the yeah. weird place. Uh, it's kind of we'll talk about reddish, but it's funny. Like they gave up reddish, obviously didn't get much for him. Uh, I guess they did use that pick as part of the package for Deshante Murray, but like they didn't get much for him. Uh, and then they they obviously traded Herder, which. The Hawks actually, right now are 21st in offensive efficiency. Offensive rating yeah, for NBA.com. So they've yeah. had a rough stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I don't know what's... I, get, I, I don't even want to take a victory lap because I just thought it was obvious that, like... I get that you need another ball handler because you can't have trade literally just be your only ball handler. But it was always hard for me to be like... Uh, people are like, oh, DeJounte Murray shooting 34% on catch and shoot threes. I'm like... Watch this guy shoot catch and shoot threes, dude. Any team, every single team is like, he's spotting up, great, wonderful. We are going to help off him constantly. And then you watch Trey Young shoot catch and shoot threes. I don't care what his percentage is. He doesn't want to take those shots. He's not comfortable taking those shots. He's not even like a threat really taking those shots. 
And he's not like a dynamic attack the closeout type of guy, right? He's more like, useful for their offense without the ball as a spacer than he is as, as an actual shot maker from right. off the ball. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I, I didn't really like that sequence of moves for them. We'll see how it works out. But um, it's pretty up- much good for like staggering, but that's, I feel like that's the main They don't even I, stagger I feel like that that's, that's the other thing. Like the, the main benefit of, of having Murray is you can have one of them with your shitty bench, but like you still have a shitty bench. <laughs> like that doesn't change that fact. Yeah. And I mean, like to, to that point, um, you know, they just don't stagger much. Like I'm looking at their numbers for the entire year. They played 559 minutes together. Uh, 320. Then DeJounte played 327 without Trey Young. Trey Young's played 222 without DeJounte. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess they stagger a decent amount, but it's still like you're still overlapping these guys. And I mean, it makes sense. You have to play them together a lot. Right, right, right. They're, but like they're, so they're minus 4.5 in DeJounte, no Trey Young minutes, 327 of those. They're minus 7.1 in Trey Young, no DeJounte minutes. They are plus 4, plus 3.9, probably, actually, uh, in 559 minutes with both on the floor. And they've only played 54 minutes all year without either of them on the floor. So that sample doesn't even matter, but they are plus 21.8 in those minutes. Um, mm. I don't know if that includes today, but not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Um, I don't know. I they're, they're a weird team. I They are. Whatever the Knicks issues are, and the Knicks have plenty of issues, which we'll talk about. Um, like, this is, like, people are like, oh, the Knicks are stuck. The Knicks are stuck. The Knicks are in the middle. They're in purgatory. They're in this. They're in that. And then it's like, I kind of think the Hawks are in purgatory. Like, they blew their load for DeJounte Murray. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're not in purgatory. The Hawks and the Bulls are in purgatory. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls are definitely in purgatory. The Hawks are in purgatory of, like, like a weird one where it's like, look, uh, Trey's a really weird player to discuss. But, like, you can convince me he's definitely, like, you could convince me he's good enough right. to be a championship engine, okay? Offensively, anyway. Yeah. You can convince me of that. I don't know if I wholly believe it, but like I think there's there's a pretty legitimate argument for it. Um, but like, was Dejounte the right guy for him? I, I just I don't really understand like what they were going for. I mean, I know what they were it's, going for. I never got it's it. It's really it easy good. to like to say, you know, like we've heard it so many times with the Donovan Mitchell trade, right? Like, oh, if this isn't the right time or the right price, then what is the right? Like, no, there's actually something to be said for picking your spots because otherwise that's how you end up like the Bulls or the Hawks. And that's how you end yeah, up those guys aren't as Mello. good as Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Like, shit. Like, and it's not to say that it's, you know, we don't have to go down this route, but like, it's not to say that it's impossible to build around these, uh, these very particular sets of stars that have, you know, maybe they're, because they're not like MVP candidates, they have, certain limitations in certain ways but it's harder right like it's like we saw with mellow like you have to you need very specific players around mellow just like you need very specific players around amari or you need very specific players around trey like these aren't like well-rounded superstars right like that's the best way i can put it and there's a reason right there's only a few of those really well-rounded superstars who can just level like other teams entirely no matter what but um I mean, whatever, like enough about the Hawks. Like they're just fucking weird. I don't I don't buy them. I never buy them. They still always kind of hang around in the standing. So maybe they'll do that this year. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, I'm just super fucking happy that this 
that the Knicks defense is coming together, not because of, you know, it's because of the players. And, like, you have a lot of people who are like, oh, if only we had better players to execute Tibbs' scheme, blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. Like, you can have good defenders and still not achieve your full defensive potential. And you can have good defenders in a scheme that doesn't maximize their strength still be a good defense. Those are two nuanced statements that are going to fucking blow the mind of half of Nick's Twitter, apparently. Yeah, I mean, Um, well, also, like, (laughs) the the point of, like, oh, well, guys have to execute the scheme. Okay, you want guys to execute the scheme? Then fucking play the guys that execute the scheme the best. That. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, like it's bullshit. You can't have it every way. Oh, well, guys have to execute the scheme. Okay, then play the fucking guys that can execute it. Otherwise, you know what you got to do as a coach? If you don't want to do that, then you got to fucking adjust your scheme for the guys that you are playing a lot. But guess yeah. what? Tibbs gets get Tibbs gets better. He gets he gets a reward here because he is playing now. The guys, the three best perimeter guys, plenty of minutes, who are the best at executing his defensive scheme. And if he does that, this team's defense will be better. As it will be better if Mitchell Robinson stays healthy. Mitchell Robinson was awesome tonight. I thought he was like an unheralded player of the game type of uh, performance today. I thought he was dominant. I thought he pretty much, look, I know Clint Capella had six offensive rebounds. I'm not going to say he had no impact on the game, but I would say plenty of those were due to Mitch being out of position because he was tracking Trey Young all around. Uh, Mitch had eight points, 10 rebounds. Nine of them offensive rebounds, by the way. Uh, he even had two assists. Point Mitch out here. No, he's he's just he's playing really well right well, now. That's what happens when you have someone like Grimes. Is you could just grab the offensive rebound and be like, "Where is Grimes?" and just fucking throw a like soccer throw into him, and he'll make it half the time. Yeah, and I just think um, you know, aside from the Dallas game that everybody sucked in, I thought Mitch was really bad in that game, but everybody sucked in that game, so whatever. Um, I thought he's been playing. He's been playing really well since that Memphis game. Uh, so yeah, he's in a groove. He, he's playing really well. He's playing under control. He's not committing stupid fouls. I'm not gonna. I'm not ready to say his screening is good because it's not. It's but definitely he, better. He is screening. I've been noticing that. Yeah. Shit. I noticed that shit in the first in the first quarter of the Cleveland game, and then in this game, like literally, I was just minding my own business on my laptop, and I was like, "Oh shit!" My wife was like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh, nothing." It was just because Mitchell Robinson was hitting people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he is. He is. He's at yeah. least making contact, and um, that's all That's all you can ask for, really. I mean, you can ask for more, but that's all we really want. It's just like, yeah, dude, just fucking hit a guy every now and then. It'll be great. Um, yeah. How but, many minutes did, did my son play today? I don't know who, who that is. Because he got like 15. That's uh, oh, Deuce? Critique. Harsh but fair. Deuce played 27 minutes tonight. He was a plus 19. Uh, he actually played a couple more minutes and quickly. This is a weird game minutes-wise because the fourth quarter was just stupid. Mm. I have no idea why Brunson yeah. came back in. I have no idea why Randall came back in. I have no idea why Mitchell Robinson came back in. That all of that was... That's just Tibbs, like, relapsing. He was just, like, an addict. He's just like, what? All right, fuck it. Like, whatever's happening, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, but he, Deuce, like, at the... Like we talk about the defense, it's fine. We know about the defense; it's fucking great. Like the connective passing, him and him and Grimes and IQ, they're just so clearly the best read and react passers, along with Toppin and and and, and iHeart. They're, they're up there as well, but you know they don't have the ball as much, and it it really just changes 
the dynamic of the offense and 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 Deuce does it differently than Grimes. Grimes, like like you were saying earlier, his his whole mo is like catch, shoot, or catch, explode, and he's gonna make some like turbo engine like miracle bounce pass angle that you didn't know or whatever or drop off. And, and Deuce, it's more like traditional connector passing, like oh he's gonna run a second side pick and roll, and or he's just gonna probe to the free throw line and then do a driving kick, which like no Knicks do, right? Like very simple stuff. But again, like these are low hanging fruit. We didn't have anybody who does that shit. We don't have, we don't have that many connectors outside of Obi and Obi's minutes locked as we've said a million times. So we don't get to take advantage of his. And um, it's just, it just makes everything flow so much better. And it also allows you to, one underrated thing of the connector passing to me is like the kind of managing egos part of it. Because if you can get, especially someone who's very mercurial, like Randall or to a lesser extent, RJ, just some easy threes or some easy dump offs. It just this easy points for the team. It's morale raisers. It's you're getting your shots, right? Like they're easier shots to make and everything doesn't have to fucking be self-created. Like, I'm, I bet if we 30 games down the line could look up, I don't even know. I don't think you could do this on PVP is too granular, but like, like percentage of assisted three pointers with someone on the floor versus not on the floor. I suspect the biggest on off for Julius would be with, with Grimes or, or maybe with Deuce if he continues to stick in the rotation and it's just more fucking pleasant. Ugh. I mean, we're still not going to be a top 10 offense or anything, but, Damn, like we've been through some fucking mud. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I just think uh there's just a lot of benefits to it. Uh and look, I guess we'll have to talk about this now. Uh the Knicks did uh make the decision a couple of days ago, whatever it was. I guess they made it officially. They announced it. Uh or they Tibbs announced, announced it. Today. Tibbs announced no, Tibbs announced it on Tuesday. But we found out on Sunday, effectively, because that was the Cleveland game, that Cam Reddish is no longer a part of the rotation, as well, neither, and neither is Derrick Rose. Um, and Deuce McBride will step in for them. And there are a lot of people that lost their minds about this. I get it. I think it is reasonable and fine to prefer to want Cam in the rotation over Deuce. I also think or, that or to want both of them, right? Like that's you know. That's, yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you want both of them, too, it's a little fine. harder. But like, yeah, if you want you both of them, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, but like, I just really struggle to get that pissed about this. And I say that as somebody who has been, like been pretty impressed with Cam this year. But like, if we're forget forget that oh they traded a first for him and. They're not on the same page and organizational dysfunction, this and that. Forget all of that. Forget that the narrative stuff. And it's not narrative stuff. Forget about that piece of it. And that, because that piece of it, like, we, we'll, we'll talk about it. But, like, that piece of it is real, but it's not all of it, right? That Forget that. If you're just talking about basketball, forget all that other shit. Just what do these guys bring to the table for the team? And how does that help us, or how does that hurt us, and what is the cost-benefit? You're just doing that. Again, what is the Knicks, what was the Knicks' biggest issue this season? The, if you name the three biggest issues for the team this year, right? It would be, in, and I'm just saying these, no particular order. 
point of attack perimeter defense, shooting, and simply uh, defensive rebounding would be the third. And I think honorable mention to, as you alluded to, just quick decision making passing. Those are the those are the let's just say those are the four biggest issues facing the team this year. If you look at those things, if you just look at them in a vacuum and you're comparing these guys, which gives me who gives me more? Who gives me more? There is a completely reasonable argument to just be like, yeah, I'd rather have Deuce than than Cam. And you can talk yeah, to and me he's about not the, 32 and giving you those things. He's right. 22 and giving you those things. He's younger than Cam. He's younger than Cam. He's got an extra year left on his rookie contract. Okay. Um, and forgetting that stuff, like it's it's completely reasonable. And you can talk to me all day about like, well, Cam is this archetype of player, he's this big wing. And we don't have a big wing. And I 100%, 100% agree with that. We don't have that. And we do need to get that. And we do need to acquire that. And those are not easy to find. And but, Okay, yes. But, like, when you're talking about a big wing, right, we're talking, you're broadly talking about, like, Cam is a big <laughs> dude who plays wing. What, but when you say you want a big wing, what do you mean by that? What you mean by that? is you want somebody who can credibly play the four. Now, if you're going to play the four, what do you need to do? Got a defensive rebound. Go look at the Cam Reddish lineups in Atlanta when he played the four. They're fucking awful. He's like a... I think it's been weird to me, and maybe we're just understandably so happy that he showed some development that we were, you know, not being greedy and complaining about, like, oh, he still doesn't pass or rebound. But, like, I don't think people understand how bad of a non-passer and non-rebounder he is his re his total rebound percentage is below five there's That's a awful. non there's a non there's a reasonable argument that like you could put me in the court and i could do that like just by like hurting people <laughs> like bro you're fucking six foot nine with the same standing reach as our third center and the other thing i, I, I just you know I'm, I'm happy you brought up like what do we mean by big wing is you know, he was playing the two, so he wasn't playing a big wing position for us. He's and the three. he played he played the two and he played the three. And he like it's one of those and this is where you get mad at Tibbs in the front office. It's like if you want to have him his biggest strength on defense to me is not just his point of attack defense, because you can actually get him off of a point of attack defender pretty easily, but it's the versatility if you switch and we don't really take advantage of that, as we've said, not only with him, but with, with Julius and other guys. So like, if you want to be mad to me that we didn't really give him a fair shot to showcase all his skills, that to me is the annoying thing. Cause if you're going to be like, okay, Cam just defend, you know, some guard or some six foot six guy, that's fine. But teams were picking up on like the fact that he's kind of slow and, doesn't deal with screens very well. We saw it versus Memphis. Um, I forget who we played before that, but we saw it versus them as well. And uh, especially if you set the screens further out, because he's pretty slow. So he d he doesn't give you. He's a weird player, and I'm, that's not to say he's like a bum or something. Like I think he's legitimately transformed himself into a rotation player if he continues to buy into this sort of role that he uh, displayed on the Knicks. But like I've seen people today talking about. He's a legit starting wing. No, he 
No, the fuck he is not. What legit starting wing doesn't can I, pass can I also just and doesn't say, like, rebound? Also, like, there's just this, okay? And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I would have preferred if Cam stayed in the rotation over Deuce to begin with. Anyway, I think sure. he had bought into a high enough degree that you should reward him for that. I would have liked to see him in that rotation without Rose. Uh, yeah. I think. Look, Deuce played like 27 minutes tonight. We know that Deuce isn't gonna play 27 minutes every night, but like. I would have liked to see him in a role where, yeah, he's not starting, but he is playing 22 to 25 minutes every night. Um, I would like to see that. And I think it sucks that we're not going to see it. But that all being said, this whole starting wing thing is like, I've seen a lot of people suggest like, oh, Grimes didn't earn his spot. He got given it because what? Cam was injured and Cam was injured. And it's like, let, let's, crazy. let's, well, let's, let's just, let's go through it. Okay. <laughs> Grimes is injured to start the year, right? He's injured to start the year, and so he's just out. So Cam, to his credit, outplays Fournier by a shit ton, by the way. Fournier was just a fucking yeah. basket case. He outplayed him. He took that spot from him, deserved it. Congratulations, kudos, wonderful job. Grimes comes back. He's healthy. Does Grimes get to play? No, 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 no. Grimes is situational. Grimes needs to get his conditioning back. So Grimes isn't playing yet. And then, and then, Forty is removed from the rotation, and Cam gets hurt. That's the big thing that happened. Cam got hurt on the West Coast trip. So now, all of a sudden, we go from situational Grimes, who isn't playing, getting his conditioning back, to, okay, here's 40 minutes, kid. Go have it. And guess what? He played really fucking well in those minutes. And he took back the spot that was is a fickle he, mistress. <laughs> and and he took back the spot which was going to be his. It was going to be his. Cam took it, and then Grimes took it back. And I'm gonna hypothesize here. This is a hypothesis. We know <laughs> that Cam Reddish in Atlanta, he played a pretty decent amount of minutes actually. If anybody wants to look, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll pull up the numbers right now. It was the wrong role, but yeah, yeah, it's not like he was nailed to the bench. He played a pretty decent minutes. All right, this is what he played in Atlanta. First year, twenty six point seven. Second year, twenty eight point eight minutes per game. Third year, okay, twenty three point four. So he comes down his third year, but this is what he's played in New York: fourteen point fourteen point three his first year. We know that there was an entire situation where they just didn't play him for a while. And this year, 21.9. Okay. So we already know that, yes, he's being a good soldier, but this is a guy who wanted to get out of Atlanta, in part, to get more minutes, get get a better role, get a more consistent role. Okay? Now, the Knicks maybe shouldn't have traded for him just knowing that, but they took a shot on the talent, whatever. Grimes comes back. Grimes takes that role. He is now the starter. You can talk to me about, well, we can stagger more and Tibbs can stagger more and this and that and that thing and this thing. He wasn't happy in Atlanta. And I don't care what you want a coach to do. So this is me defending Tibbs, by the way. I don't care what you want a coach to do. If you're going to be a bench wing, you are competing with other bench players for those in-between minutes that can go either to them or to a starter that's on any given night. So for those minutes, he's competing against Emmanuel quickly, who is flat out a better basketball player than Cam Reddish is right now. You can talk to me about ceiling. You can talk My to me lot. about players. They shouldn't. No, no, yeah. they shouldn't be in the same conversation. Yeah. Like, okay, please. but just let me just let me finish. So you can talk to me about all these things, 
fact of the matter is, there are more lineups than not where I prefer to have Emmanuel quickly close a game than Cam Reddish. That is a fact. That is me. That is telling you exactly what it is. Okay. So that's one guy off the bench right there you're competing with for. Then you know that Quentin Grimes is going to close many games. R.J. Barrett. We can pretend that, oh, well, R.J.'s got to earn it the same way Cam's got to earn it. Get the fuck out of my face. Okay? Like, this front office gave him that extension. Should that mean that he never faces any repercussions for poor play? No. But the fundamental reality is he's probably going to close many, many basketball games. Okay? That he is should get less minutes, but he shouldn't get, again, he shouldn't be, like, demoted. There's a difference between yeah. accountability and just, like, you know, this isn't your, you fucking coaching your, like, peewee league, all right? This isn't, this isn't college. Like, this isn't college right? where you can just, like, bench guys because you're mad at them and you're, like, 70 years old and they're 19. Okay. So, no. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking, so now that's two starters at spots, as well as Emmanuel Quickly, who he's competing for, with minutes for, for those extra kind of minutes work. Jalen Brunson. I don't even need to talk about that, right? Like, <laughs> the, the, like, where where do you want these extra minutes? Oh, well, play with him at the four. You've got Randall there, who, for better or worse, is going to play a lot of minutes. You've got Obi there, who is, like, clearly, whatever you think about them, he's more of a priority to the front office than Cam is, okay? These are just facts of the situation. Now, going back to Cam Reddish. Why did Cam Reddish leave Atlanta, even though he was playing a pretty decent amount of minutes? Because he wanted more minutes, he wanted more opportunity, he wanted to show what he had. Grimes comes back, Grimes takes a starting job. I think Cam is pissed off. I think Cam is pissed off, and I think if you go back, go back and watch his minutes. Memphis game plays a lot, closes it, right? He's happy, wonderful, great. Go watch the next three games. Grimes starts playing more, Grimes is closing more. And I think you can watch, just watch Cam play. He's starting to take stupider shots. He is less locked in defensively. He's doing yeah, I don't all think that's the a coincidence. Yeah, he starts doing all of the stupid things that he was not doing, which culminated in that whatever the hell that seven minutes was against Dallas. And I don't mean to single him out for that because I promise you, as I said about Mitch, and I said about the entire team was terrible in that game. All of them were awful, awful, awful. So that's not like me singling him out. And I do kind of think it's shitty that he did get singled out effectively by Tibbs, the way it happened. But, like, I'm telling you, go back and watch those three games. Detroit, whoever the fuck the one was before Dallas, and the Dallas game. He was not good in those games, and he was not good in a very, very specific way, in all the specific ways, that Hawks fans saw last year when he wanted to get the fuck out. And we know what we know another thing. Okay, here's the other thing we know. When has this front office simply said, like, when has it ever been revealed? By the way, it got revealed to Stefan Bondi. I promise you that is coming from Cam Reddish's camp. 100,000 trillion percent that is being leaked by Cam Reddish's camp. <laughs> because you, I'll tell you one thing I will bet my fucking life on. Stefan Bondi has no source within the Knicks organization. Not a single one. Nobody. Nada. Not happening. Not in this fucking lifetime. Not as long as James Owen owns this team. Not fucking happening. Okay? So, you get a report that, oh, they're working with him to get a trade. This front office kept Frank through his fourth year when they probably knew that he wasn't going to stick around. Because why? Because they were like, well, they probably 
did a cost benefit analysis. Like they probably could have traded him for a second round pick or something, you know. But they're probably like, you know what? We need the depth. He's like the eleventh dude here, right? He was situational all the time, right? Frank was situational. Come in for a defensive possession against Trey Young in the biggest moment of the fucking season. Like he was, so they kept him for that, right? They didn't trade DSJ until they could get a rotation upgrade, right? They wrote upgraded from DSJ to get Derrick Rose. They didn't trade Kevin Knox until they thought, okay, we're going to upgrade this spot or we're going to get take a shot on a talent. They took a shot on Cam Reddish in that trade, right? So my point being is, I don't think they would ever leak out there, oh, we're looking to trade him. They would, I mean, it would get out there because that's the nature of the business, but it would never be leaked like this. It would never be open like this. This is coming from Cam's camp. I think the Knicks would be very happy. They wouldn't give a shit if Tibbs didn't have him in the rotation. You know what I mean? They would just be like, all right, well, we still like Cam, so we're going to keep him. We're keeping him around. So I think this is Cam. Yeah, you never know. Working. Like, <laughs> I think I think this is pretty obviously Cam being upset. And by the way, I'm not even blaming it. I'm not blaming it because you know what? It's his contract here. No, he's trying go to look for greener pastures. Yeah. Right. He's trying to, he's trying to get his money. I'm I'm cool with that. That's good. Good for him. I respect that. But like but like don't tell me that this is some sign of organ like there's plenty of shit that is going on with the Knicks that is more sign of organizational dysfunction than what is going on with Cam Reddish. What happened with Cam Reddish is is an example of a front office making a move and a coach resisting it. That's not what happened this season, though. This season, I think he gave Cam a legitimate shot, and I think he stopped giving him a shot because he was like, he saw these three games, and he's probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He just, and I, I can imagine behind the scenes, maybe Cam's starting to be, you know, because he wants out. I get it. So he starts maybe being annoying in practice, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I have no idea about the specifics of it, but I think it, it, it looks like it's ended in a very similar way that it ended in Atlanta. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, can't fool me again. Um, so and one I, other thing, one other thing I'll add, uh, like about this conversation. You know, we, we talk about Tibbs misusing guys, and sometimes how he also stumbles into good roles for guys, right? Like that happened with Cam, right? Like they, he didn't put Cam in there. I mean, you know, he he yes, he's the coach. He made the lineups and all that, but like he wasn't actively looking for ways to find Cam minutes until injuries happened, and. You know, we're seeing that with Deuce now. Deuce has an opportunity now that Vets are benched and Cam is out of the rotation. I don't think Tibbs was jumping and scraping the you know the back of his playbook to look for ways to play Deuce, but like it's real pretty... big playbook, really. Big yeah, playbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an old dusty playbook. <laughs> the pages <laughs> are yellowed, the edges are frayed, <laughs> but like now, now that Deuce is in there, you're seeing. It's not how this is where I where I'm frustrated, but it's like that Alonzo morning meme where he shakes his head and then he's like, all right, I'll take it where it's like this isn't how you want guys to be put into roles that work. But we're here now, right? Like Deuce is here in a role that works for him, just like Cam was. And. I mean, I prefer Deuce to Cam that much is clear. I think he's better at most things. I don't think. I think it's fair to worry about Deuce's shooting. Um, I'm not really worried about it, um, but whatever. If, if you want to worry about Deuce's shooting, totally get that. Has made not many threes this year at all, or last year, so totally get it. But like, you're now, you've stumbled into a rotation 
that elicits some level of like on-court cohesion between players you've acquired one way or another and what the coach is trying to do, right? Like, again, the process is not smooth, but when the process isn't smooth, you got to take the baby steps and the wins when you can get it, right? Like benching rows, like benching Fournier. Those things weren't guaranteed. Playing multi-guard lineups that aren't always tall wasn't guaranteed, right? Forget just quickly in Brunson. Talking, We're talking three-guard lineups now where, where Grimes is the small forward and IQ and Deuce, none of them are above 6'3", right? Like, And, yeah, it's, it's also just, um, like, okay, we cannot all Wait, real, real quick, real yeah. quick. The, the last thing I just want to say is, like, it, it's totally fair to worry about process and front office, coach alignment, all that shit. That's the main criticism I have of this front office, right? It's We talk about it all the time. You can't acquire guys without a plan to optimize them and use them the right way or even just play them. But, like, we're here. Like, the guys they have drafted and are killing it in roles that are good for them, and it's causing us to fucking win. And the Cleveland game... I watched it late. I watched it today. It wasn't just a parade of missed threes like a lot of my timeline was saying. Sure, Donnie missed a lot of threes he would make, but he had a lot of his shots contested in ways that he doesn't normally get contested when he's playing with Darius Garland, all-star you point can feel, guard. You can feel defense. Like, yes. Everybody's, yes. Played, everybody's played basketball. There's times where I – I'm not a great shooter, by the way, but there are times where – you can be in my face, but you're letting me dribble into a shot. You're letting me dribble into it. I know you're going to let me dribble into it, and I'm shooting that in rhythm. Even if you're right in my face, even if your hand is right in my face, I'm shooting that in rhythm. But there are times, this, a, a different defender, you might get the same exact shot, but you're not getting it comfortably, and they're they're dictating to you to a certain extent. They're not just letting you dribble into a shot in a range, in a, in a spot that you want. Right, they're taking away options and making you have to make decisions and sometimes you're not comfortable with those decisions yeah, and, even if the outcome is the same. And and also like like actually I don't know if you saw this. RJ had a uh RJ he did like the you know how they like post random you know uh media press conferences, right? So like after practice mm. or whatever. He mm. had one. They asked him a question about Deuce and he was like, oh man, Deuce is just one of those annoying ass guys that pick up that like picks you up the whole way, like the entire time. And it's like there is something to that. Like, there is something to that annoying-ass physicality and how that wears you down over the course of the game. It's the same thing with Grimes. Like, Grimes, like, you know, Trey Young, he burned Grimes. Go watch the start of the game. He probably burned him, like, four or five, six times. But every single time, every single time, Grimes gets back into play. And he might not get a great contest. He might have gotten away with a foul or two. He might have stripped it. But you're going to have to work for it. How many times have we talked about, like, Man, the Knicks, when the Knicks do play defense, they don't get the same whistle that like Pat Beverly gets or whatever, right? Like, yeah. or like Marcus Smart. Well, it's because, like, if you set that tone as a defense, you change the baseline for the refs, right or wrong. And that's what Grimes and Deuce does. That's why they can get away with that physicality and it changes it for the whole team. All of a sudden, maybe RJ and Randall can get away with the foul. Maybe Iheart can get away with yeah. the foul. And, and, and that's, that's how the game works in the NBA. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you compare that, like, we talk about RJ, RJ super physical, Randall super physical. These guys, once you beat them once, they're out of the play, bro. 
Right. Like they're they're not getting back in there. You're like you're not gonna see RJ make some fucking chase down strip block or something. Randall, once the man makes one rotation, that is his rotation for that possession. That is it. You're getting the one rotation. That's about it. He might he stare down somebody, whoever it was, Onyeka Okongwu shooting a three. And I promise you, that was not him recognizing that Onyeka Okongwu is a poor shooter. That was just him being like, I am not making that rotation. That could be Ray fucking Allen over there in game seven. And I'm chilling here right now. Not happening. Um, but like the point is those guys, their plays, they fuck up. They're, you know, go watch, the, go watch their possession. We've talked they're, about it all yeah. the time. Like, but th- like they make that Grimes and, Yeah. Grimes and Deuce, they're not, they're different. Great defenders than IQ. IQ actually is like, will make like 11 consecutive correct decisions, regardless of what happens. In addition to being quick and having long arms and not being afraid to mix it up. These guys are like, like IQ's gotten more strong, but like these guys are like football playing looking motherfuckers who they may not always right, make the right decision, but they're about to come in and shiv you and just like get back in the play. And they're athletic enough. Like sometimes when Grimes moves laterally after he's beat, it looks like it's in fucking fast forward. It doesn't look real. He like these guys are insanely gifted and it's not because they don't make mistakes on defense is because their motor is just like a plus. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, man. And like, and, and my whole point of this rant is like, you can be disappointed in the process more than me for reddish. That's, that's totally reasonable. But I think the end result for this team on the court, like I don't think it's a coincidence what happened today and what happened versus Cleveland. I think, this nine-man rotation is going to fuck a lot of teams up. We're still not even shooting that well, even with Grimes shooting and Julia shooting. Like, Deuce hasn't shot well. IQ hasn't really lit it up from three yet. Um, RJ still shooting, like, dog shit from three. Like, if you fuel this interior scoring with some shooting and now this kind of defense and physicality, like, that's something. Cam improved, and he was great, and he brought – what he brought to the team that we didn't have on offense was like the ability to attack the rim off of closeouts. But that's the thing. Like everybody, we already have all these dudes who do that, right? Like he, he's a big wing who does that, but like Brunson does that. RJ does that. Julius does that. Grimes does that. IQ does that. They all do that. Those are the ball handlers on this team. They all do that. Like that's nice, but we don't need it. What we need is defense and passing and rebounding. <laughs> yeah, and I think like the thing I was going to say is um like we can't we can't have spent an entire summer and most at the end of last season being like oh my god, the Knicks need to make it they need to pick a direction, they need to they need to play these young guys. They got to re- Okay. And I get it. Tibbs is still here, Julius is still here. We can have a problem with all that stuff. Although goddamn, if Julius played like that every night, I would never want to trade him. Um I don't care about it. Like, if you, you can make the dumbest fucking decisions, shoot like that every night, and we will work around it, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I, you know, again, he's not going to shoot like that every night, so maybe trade him. Um, but, like, the point is, like, we can be pissed about all that shit, but, like, just, this is the rotation right now, okay? This is the rotation. Jalen Brunson, 26. RJ Barrett, 22. Grimes, 22. Randall, 28. Mitchell Robinson, 24. Manuel Quickly, 23. Deuce McBride, 22. Obi Toppin, 24. Isaiah Hartenstein, 24. Six of those guys 
our next draft picks. Okay. Four of them were picked by this regime. Two of them were extended by this regime. The other two were extended by this regime. Uh, the, the, the tenth guy, situational guy, Jericho Sims, 24, was picked by this regime. Jalen Brunson, 26 in his prime, acquired by this front office. Pretty borderline all-star level point guard in his prime. Okay. J Julius Randall, we don't need to go into the Randall thing. We all know how we feel about Randall on this pod. If you feel differently, you know that we don't agree with you probably. Um, but like that's fine. We all have our thoughts on Randall. Stop saying he's twenty eight years old. He's the oldest guy in your rotation. Isaiah Hartenstein is twenty four. Yes, he does like seventeen innings a game. That I'm like, I honestly would. Don't, I don't even want. I don't know if I want to be in your brain or if I never want to understand what's going on in your brain. It's one or the other, but I'm not sure which one. Uh, but like young center, whatever. This is a young team, man. This is a young team, and they have opened up spots in the rotation for younger players that they have picked. They have, they're starting a second year player they drafted 25th overall. If the Memphis Grizzlies did this shit, we'd be looking at them being like, why can't the Knicks do that? They are doing it. And like, yes, they still have other shit to do, but like, they are doing these things. So, and they're finally getting they're not only doing it, but they're doing it successfully with an identity now. Like we're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen. It's paint buckets and physicality. Like I know we're only two games into this rotation, but like if that keeps up, then we haven't we have a a young identity, both on the court and in terms of like the assets that are on the court. And it, it helps you figure want. out what you it and it figure and it helps you it informs and can help you figure out, okay, if this is what our identity is and should be, who fits it on this roster? Who fits it in this draft? Who fits it if we're looking to trade and acquire somebody in the trade market? It informs your decision-making in a way that prior to making this move with Deuce, and when they had the ten man rotation, you had a rose still playing. You had four, like, like you had all these things going. You're like, what are you doing? This, this is what the Knicks have done this year. Okay, yes, Julius Randle's still here, annoying. Tibbs is still here, very annoying, very, very annoying. Like, I can't tell you how annoying it is. Um, but they have benched Derrick Rose, a thing that we'd have never expected before. They have benched Evan Fournier, who people were bitch like, oh, well, they're not going to bench him because he's got an injury. They're not doing the thing, right? They're not doing the thing of, well, we have young players that could be as productive or as impactful. They're not benching those guys in lieu of some misguided attempt of, um, you know, we're trying to up the, the trade value of our veterans before we... No. No, they, they just, they were like, they, they're, nope. These guys are out. We are playing these young dudes. We think they gave us a better chance to win. And let's be clear. Let's be clear. We know this front office and this coach are not in this to engage in some extended tanking maneuver, right? No, they are picking these guys. They're playing these guys now in the rotation, in the minutes they're going to get. And we are going to be upset on certain nights about the minutes and the rotations and all that shit because Tibbs is still the coach. But they're playing these guys because they think these guys give them the best chance to win basketball games today. So this is not a decision being made because they think they suck and they're trying to tank. No, this is a decision 
based on what they think. This isn't charity for Deuce. Yeah, this is this is them being like, we think what Deuce brings to the table is going to give us more as far as competing and winning games than what Cameron is. They might and be Rose, wrong. And yeah. Fournier, whatever. Yeah. If it's wrong, yeah. they adjust. Yeah. That's if how it, you fucking do it. <laughs> and if, if they're wrong and and they trade Cam Reddish and Cam Reddish goes on somewhere and he develops and they will be, they will have fucked up. But you know what? Like what they have done is they have made some hard choices. And what we kill them for constantly is you're trying to, you're trying to balance too many things. You're trying to have the best of both worlds. You're trying to keep Tibbs happy. You're trying to develop your young guys. And in, in turn, you're not doing any of those things. You can't really levy that shit at them now. Like we can sit there and be like, well, this part of your process sucks. Right, that's fair. We can sit there and be like, like I can watch a first half like today and be like, I don't know what Julius Randle being on fire. Like I don't know how that helps us win basketball. Like I don't understand what that does for us. By the way, the 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 Warriors just lost in maybe the dumbest way I think I've seen in a long time. Who are they playing? Utah. I I can't believe I just watched that. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, that's unreal. Okay. Anyway. Um. They like what, but what they're doing now is when you make a choice, right? When you're saying, like, when you've gone from accumulating all kinds of different shit and now you've got to like sift through, right? And pick, oh, okay, I, I like this thing. I want to keep this thing. This guy, I'm going to figure out how to get rid of him later. This thing, I'll fit. When you do that, you're going to piss some people off. You're going to piss some people off. Fans, outside observers, whatever. Players on the team, maybe, but you know what? Once, like you've pissed them off, you're that's part of the process. That is part of making hard choices. That's part of picking a direction. And like this, to me, whatever you want to say about it, I wish they do that thing. I wish they have, they're picking a direction, and that direction is these young dudes, these young dudes, these six young guys that we think help help us the most out of out of the young dudes on our roster. These six guys plus Sims on nights when. Hart and Mitch commit 15 fouls in the first three minutes of the game. Like, these guys are the most equipped to help us win basketball games right now. And, yes, is part of that because they think winning basketball games makes those guys look better and therefore more valuable as trade chips, all while getting minutes on the court? Yes, of course that's part of it. We know that's part of the strategy. But, like, I'm fine with that being part of their strategy because that actually makes fucking sense. If you're going to go about this whole thing of, like, we're not going to tank, we want to be competitive, and we're going to trade for a star and all that shit. This is the way you do it. This is how you do it. You don't do it by, well, we're going to play Derrick Rose some charity 12, 13 minutes a night. And, uh, you know, we'll start Evan Fournier. And, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out something with Cam Reddish. He'll play 10 minutes a night. And Deuce can just hang out. And we'll waste his second year because we don't really want to make that decision right now. We don't want to piss off Cam. We don't want to bench Rose and Fournier. No, they're making hard choices. Like, I bet you Fournier is pissed. I and bet me, he's pissed. On that point, real quick, like, I, I I need people to, to when we say, like, they are making these decisions, we truly mean they, right? Because what did we hear when Derrick Rose didn't play the first game? What did we hear? He was resting because it was a back-to-back. That was what we heard after. And then the next game, we heard Rose say, oh, he just wanted, Tibbs told him he wanted to get Deuce a look. So that means that 
this is almost certainly some sort of collective decision making process, the kind that has likely not existed for a lot of uh, this front office's tenure with Tibbs for better and for worse. Right. Like usually you don't interfere with a coach's rotation, but you have to have some sort of vision. And what probably happened was Tibbs was on the hot seat and they were like, yo, we need to we need to talk about it. Here's the case for playing other guys in just like you know, I don't think Tibbs needed much convincing to bench Fournier. But I did think he needed convincing to bench his child Derrick Rose. And the front office probably made a case and he probably said, "All right, let's give it a whirl, see how the fuck it goes." And surprise, it's going fucking great. And yeah, you wish they were like on perfectly the same page. But this is a step forward in open-mindedness than, you know, from what we've seen before, which is just like utter stupidity. Yeah, and, and I, I think, um, like, look, I'll, I'll criticize Tibbs all the time, but people were like, oh, well, don't you think the front office, like, probably had a lot to do with this? Probably, but if I'm going to kill the man when he makes rotation decisions that suck ass, um... I'm also not. I, I have to give him credit then when, like, yeah, you have to credit him for being yeah, open minded. Yeah, like he has to get credit for that. You can't have it. Oh well, I'm only going to shit on him when he does bad things, and the good things are all the front office. No, he deserves credit for that. And we know, like, I think it's pretty safe to say that they might have been like, "Hey, if you don't do this, we think you're probably going to lose basketball games, and uh, you know, maybe you know your job and might might be under a little little scrutiny, uh, like." Did that influence him? Probably to some extent, but like we know he's a stubborn motherfucker. And yeah, who, 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 repo- who was it who reported that like everybody was on notice? Okay, so I think so. I wanted to bring this up. Ian Begley reported that. Ian Begley, so this is a funny thing, right? Yesterday is, um, yesterday is what yesterday was the report that Obi, or not Obi. Uh, that Cam is out of the rotation and Rose is out of the rotation and that Deuce was taking their spot, right? I think it's very interesting that the day before, Ian Begley had a report of, like, Leon Rose won't get rid of Tom Thibodeau easily because he's fiercely loyal to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think those things are tied together. I think, you know, Leon puts out a little something out there. Oh, yeah, I love you. You're the best. You're like, we're, we're, I'm fiercely loyal to you. By the way, uh, you will be, um, you will be, you will be, uh, you will be playing Deuce McBride, pal. Okay? Like, that. that's what's going to be happening here. Like, I don't think it's, like, I'm not, and look, I don't, do I think he told Tom Thibodeau he has to play Deuce McBride? No. But I think he, strongly hinted that that would be very nice of him to do and he might look favorably on it and hey by the way i'm fiercely loyal to you pal like i don't think those things aren't coincidences they all come so closely together um but yeah they did they they deserve credit all of them deserve credit for that decision and they also like just like they deserve criticism for how the entire camera thing has been handled from how he was acquired to how it seems to be ending he they deserve criticism for it. Uh, I also like just feel like again, you can look at it. I guess I can see the argument of like this is organizational dysfunction. 
I also think that you can look at it as this is how you work to get on the same page. This is how you pick a direction. And within that decision, there are going to be things that are, quote unquote, collateral damage, right? Um, and And it's like, that's the reality. Like you can't, I'm not going to be upset about. And people need to that. also relax on the collateral damage thing. Cause like we traded a first to get cam, but it wasn't like, as far as first go, the three firsts, for example, that we got from the thunder are superior to that first. That first is a bet that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be good at some point in the next two and a half years. Otherwise, if they're not, it's just, a second rounder so it's not you know it's not exactly a slam dunk here we're talking about so like if you know we'll see what happens with with the cam trade but like if he gets traded right they could just be like fuck it we're holding on like you like you detailed earlier like they've done many times before if they do trade him um like it doesn't take much for them to recoup what they gave up and that's not obviously that's not the be all end all to signify that this was good process. Like you said, it's messy. Yes, he should have gotten more playing time, et cetera, et cetera. But like as far as collateral damage go again, like if I, I, I told you this in the DM, like if we've heard the fucking Kings, Kings Twitter, all 24 of them or whatever, talking about like KZ. Well, how do you say that? I don't even know how you say his last name. Uh, Akpala. Casey Akpala and he didn't get like a fair bet and now like there's he might get moved and this he's gonna be collateral damage. You wouldn't be like, that's not collateral damage, that's Casey Akpala being traded. Like that's just a random guy who's probably from ranging from the seventh to twelfth man on your team getting traded. And in the larger scheme of things, it's really a footnote. And if it's emblematic of if your argument is like the cam stuff is emblematic of larger dysfunction. Like, I I just don't... I think there is some larger dysfunction. I don't think this is particularly emblematic of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, like... I just... I go back and forth on it because I don't want to be dismissive of the idea of, like, this is a bad look for them. Like, I just... I just can't get to the point of, like... Like, people were fucking losing their minds over this. I just think you can't... And this, this is directly tied to my being high on Deuce. But, like, I don't think you can give them credit for... I don't think you can take away credit for this being like a bad look and then not give them even more credit for being like, oh, this kid we drafted is way fucking better for what we need. And the cream, what was it? The the proof is in the pudding. I was about to say the cream is in the pudding. <laughs> that's not a thing people say. That's, it's that's, too fucking late. I'm too old for this shit. So like, it, it's just weird to me that and, and you know it's you know in all in all fairness it's probably like a small sample thing like Deuce has played all these minutes for fucking two games and I'm overly excited about it clearly so uh, fair if you want Prez to wait a little bit but know that I'm gonna come back in a week talking that cash shit when he's continued to do this and we continue to lock up on defense. Um, I uh, I have to say something and very very. I saw the end of the Jazz Warriors game. That shit was crazy. Yeah, very very crazy. Uh, and very important, the NBA season's heating up, and there's still so many unknown, amazing endings to basketball games, like what just happened with the Warriors. 
which, uh, if you bet on the Warriors, sorry, if you bet on the Jazz, congrats. Uh, what I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, yeah, and I look, I've posted this a few times. I don't, this is not the most updated stats. Uh, but like, again, like this dude, the do stuff is, look, there's enough of a sample here with him and especially with quickly, those two together, like, he's been really, really good. And like, the G League sucks, but he was the best fucking guard in the entire G League, and he's had good impact stats in the NBA without shooting well. We saw this. We we literally just went through this with Quentin Grimes so, like five seconds ago. Like he was killing impact wise, and he couldn't hit shit. We do this with quickly every year. We yeah, do this we with quickly every year. I've done this with quickly, and you got to talk me off the ledge every yeah. fucking year. Yeah, like. <laughs> Like, all right, and I'm just, I just want to read these off because I like these stats are pretty fucking crazy. Okay, this is including last year. Okay, so in 474 minutes with Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes on the floor, just with no Deuce McBride, so just those two without Deuce. Knicks have a net 5.67 net rating. They are giving up a defensive rating of 105.26. Okay. Uh, with all three on the floor, only 81 minutes going back to last year, net 18.5 net rating, 93.25 defensive rating. Is that sustainable? No. Teams are shooting 28.1% from three on them. That's going to come up, but they're still going to be a really good defense. Sorry, Especially guys. Especially like, when they're playing with Mitch. Like. Yeah, they're going to be a really good defense. Deuce and quickly with no Quentin Grimes on the floor. 286 minutes, 20.5 net rating, 122 offensive rating, 101.45 defensive rating. Opponents are shooting 29.17% from three on them. That's not going to last. The Knicks are shooting 36.7% from three with those two on the floor together. That actually seems very reasonable and maybe fine. Um, so, like, again, like, the do stuff is, yeah, he's got to shoot better. He's got to be, I want it, I need him to look at the motherfucking rim. Sometimes when he runs a pick and there's roll. There's a lot of time. There was one play versus the versus the Cavs game where he had it on the right wing from three. And you could see him, like, probing. But the only person between him and the rim was Kevin Love. And he took a, a dribble in like he was going to drive. And Kevin Love immediately got in position for, like, the worst charge ever. Because that's because even Kevin Love knows, like, the only thing I can do here is try to take a charge from this young man. And Deuce just... Bail, like no, no collision happened. He just passed the ball, but I'm like, that was the same thing you're you're getting. I was like, Deuce, this guy's like 40 years old. It's okay. You could just. He doesn't even gotta be a layup. Layup. You shoot a floater. That's cool. <laughs>
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.